Welcome to the Asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome into the Asylum. You are mic'd up with Flieger and Briggs. And uh, I'll tell you what, Rick, I'm starting to feel the football vibe. Already? Already. You're, you're, you're football Rick Briggs is here I mean, already. just kind of... I don't know. I saw a picture of Le'Veon Bell's hair up in that little tail on the top of his head. I saw and that makes you feel. I saw Robbie Anderson in a press conference. That was some and, cool and, hair. I did see It looked see like that. the Statue of Liberty. I did. I mean, see it was just. I'm just starting to feel like all American. You know. <laughs> well, I didn't pick up on the Statue of Liberty. I like that. That's a that's a good. Uh, Good, good comparison there. It was an interesting look. I wish I could pull it off. You know, when you're young, you're in shape, you're yeah. a millionaire, you can do stuff like that, and it's cool. If I did that, they'd put me in a home. You right. know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But you're young, you're a stud athlete, you're good looking, you know, you're just cool, a little quirky. I, I yeah. like it. I, I definitely can't pull that off. Oh, but so much going on. Welcome back into the Asylum. Check us out at Asylum Football on the tweeters, asylumfootball at gmail.com if you want to be part of the show. Lots going on, Rick. Probably be a uh, little football heavy today. I got a little game put together for oh, us. We I love some, games. We got some other other things to talk through. But I think now, Rick, all that matters. I think the only news that matters, especially if you are now already in June, first week of June, football Rick Briggs, is Todd Gurley and the situation going on there. We could probably do an hour just lamenting this, right? Is there anything else to even talk about? Oh, there's plenty of things to talk about, but that is certainly a great topic to talk about. The I don't know. I mean, they're writing him off. They're still saying he's going to be okay. I'm talking about like the pundits that's out right. that are out there. And um, I tell you what, I mean, just from a personal perspective, I see his workload going way down. And you know, I mean, look, he's had knee problems in the past well yeah going going back to college i mean I, there's a lot to unpack here right no oh, yeah you still wonder we have never got a definitive answer what happened to him at the end of last season and in the super bowl right specifically right. you know is it just arthritis is, is there more to it i mean it's clearly not an acl tear it would have been dealt with a third unfortunate acl tear we'd have heard about it and it had been dealt with but when he actually ran in the super bowl he looked like he was running very hard and, and not hampered. Yeah, and that's what doesn't make sense, you know, with all of this. It's it, it's going to be interesting because it's real easy to say in June, right? We're, we're going to reduce the workload. We're going to do a running back by committee. We're going to work these other jokers in. Number one, here's all we need to know. But unfortunate as a as a fantasy owner, you're not going to know if he's healthy. He's taking the bulk of the sure work. He is. Maybe of he gets he is. an extra series off a game or something. This, this this is nonsense. Where you know the the Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown are up four or five rounds in their ADP. You know, unless you find out Todd Gurley is going to be out. I'm sorry if he's re- relatively healthy and running well, he's still going to see a massive, massive bulk of that workload. But I think there is reason to be concerned. If we're talking about this, this can't be smoke and mirrors in June, right? McVeigh isn't playing games in June at, at this point. There's something there. What I'm concerned about is that you hear speculations. I've never heard definitively, you know, it's arthritis in the knee. It's just bothering him coming and having those two surgeries and call exactly what it is. I still don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm no. flummoxed here. Flummoxed, I tell you. <laughs> Yes, and when you're flummoxed, you are quite funny. And um, I don't know exactly, and uh, that's flummoxed. But you're right. And look, I mean, you know, they're coming off of a, a Super Bowl loss, and certainly something sh- would have come out if there was right after an injury. Right? Yeah, a good excuse for why you right, scored exactly. well, three we, points in the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, and by the way, defense still wins championships. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, we, we could have but, that conversation. Exactly. Like. But, uh, yeah, I, and, I, and I'm with you. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking the workload's going to go down because I'm not sure he is healthy. But I agree with you. If he is indeed healthy, and this has all just been 
you know, like you said, I can't believe that it is smoke and mirrors, but if it is basically nothing and he's healthy through training camp, guess who's getting the rock? Right. Oh, a- absolutely. And I think, early. And I think it'll be a frustrating thing for, for a fantasy football owner, for a L.A. Rams fan, for Todd Gurley fans everywhere. I think it's going to be a week-to-week type of situation, right? If we get to Labor Day and he's feeling pretty good, he's going to touch the ball 30 times in week one. And then we'll see in week two. And then, no, I know that's true of everybody but this talk of committee and this talk of you know all this other all this other stuff bringing these other guys in bringing Henderson bringing Brown up to the forefront yes, certainly they're great stashes late round stashes great handcuffs but these guys are getting drafted like they're going to be number one running backs for the <laughs> right. LA Rams right now and again it, that's easy to do in best ball mocks in June so you know you can say oh look what I did I'm so smart double gun point waka waka you know I'm the smartest guy in this draft room right look I get all that but I don't know what here's what I can't decide Rick I don't know if I'm concerned about this or I'm not buying it I don't know again you know here I'll I don't know I <laughs> something sitting right with me here no and you're right and look if if Everything being equal and the people are healthy, um, like just like you said, these guys, people, are they're moving up on draft boards. The ADPs are going way up. Look, if you've got a healthy Barry Sanders, you're not throwing in Chris Carson, okay? Right, right. I mean, it's just – and that's basically the, the talent disparity on the Rams. Right, yeah. I mean, because it's Todd Gurley, you know, and – but, however, we did see Anderson explode in L.A. Right, right. Well, clearly something wasn't right at the end of the year. I'm concerned that we are still talking like something isn't right. We're not saying what it right. is, but something isn't right, and the talk is already we're going to reduce his workload, we're going to save him, we're going to stretch him out for the year. Well, okay, here's, here's another question that I would put to listeners, you and everybody else. If you know, I mean, we saw what C.J. Anderson did when Gurley was off the field, correct? Right. Quite impressive. If there's something wrong with Gurley, why isn't he with why isn't Anderson with the Rams any longer? It's a fair point. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it make sense? Unless they I guess you can get a third round pick at Henderson from out of Memphis that they believe in. Maybe they think it maybe it doesn't matter who the next guy is. This is the ceiling for the next guy. Todd Gurley's here. I got my arms way up in the air. And the next guy, whatever his name is in our tremendous <laughs> offense, is here. I got my hand a little bit lower, right? Quite a for, bit lower, yeah. Yes. For those of you who are only listening to this and aren't watching this on News Channel 8 or, or whatever it is. <laughs> so that, I just, I need some resolution on what in the world is going on here. You know, what we do know is he wasn't right at the end of the year. He wasn't right in the playoffs, certainly wasn't right in the Super Bowl. Now, months have passed. Right. Still no information. Only talk that there is concern and they're going to monitor his workload. I don't know what that means. I just yeah. And, and what is monitor the workload? I mean, seriously, what is that? Is it you know two hundred and fifty carries? Is it two hundred carries? Is it three hundred? Right. Carries? We yeah. don't know. Exactly. Monitoring doesn't mean necessarily limited. It means monitoring. Yeah. I. I so I'm not sure. And I'm just going to read this off a of Bleacher Report from Mike Freeman. I'm just going to rip it off directly, but I'll give him credit here. Right today he wrote this. How worried should the Rams be about Todd Gurley's knee? Recently I, Mike Freeman, asked a Rams team official how concerned they are about the knee of Todd Gurley. Not concerned at all, the person said, but we're watching it just in case. And then Freeman goes on to say, this has been the refrain from the Rams both publicly and privately for months. What I can tell you, Mike Freeman, around the league, few people buy it. Actually, no one does. Teams think the Rams have been downplaying what are more serious and unknown knee issues for Gurley. Teams have no clue if this belief is accurate. It's just all guesswork. So that that's the crazy thing, right? It's They're saying, all right, yeah, we're going to reduce his workload. We're going to take it easy. We're going to keep an eye on it. But really, we're not all that worried about it. Yeah, it's just one of those things. Right. Everybody else in the league, you know, and Freeman's pretty plugged in, everybody else in the league is saying you know, something. There's something they're not telling us here. And I know I would hope you'd have some clarity by this at the end of August. I mean, it's and, silly and to talk about it now. Here's a, another article, uh, you know, 
Here's a quote. Um, McVay talking to reporters on NFL.com. I want him to feel most comfortable. That's the most important thing. What he feels he can most function at, being the all-purpose back he's been, and that's where we're at. So, I mean, that really says a lot. <laughs> Talk about word soup. Right yeah, exactly. And, I mean, I, I swear coaches have to be have to take a course oh, in talking in circles. Absolutely, how to say nothing for 15 minutes straight. It, it is tremendous. All right, so, so let's do this. I guess we have two takeaways. We can spin around. We sure as heck don't know anything if all these national guys don't know anything. Scott Fishbowl's coming up here real shortly. Signed up. You signed up? Oh, yeah. Okay. How comfortable are you, Mr. Richard Briggs, the third Esquire? Where are you comfortable drafting Todd Gurley? (sighs) Throw out the two tight end stuff, you know, the special scoffing. But this will be the first and earliest draft that matters either of us are going to do. So where do you feel comfortable with Mr. Gurley? Well, let's do it by a process of elimination. I've got him behind Barkley. Definitely. I've got him behind McCaffrey. Definitely. I have him behind Kamara. Definitely. I have him behind Zeke Yep. right now. I have him behind Melvin Gordon if Gordon is fully recovered from the knee. Right. And I'm waffling right now between him and David Johnson in this new offense. It's probably about where the line is because who's next? And we're getting into the James Connors of the now world. Now you're the Glenn Connors, Bells. the Joe Mick- Mixons, the Le'Veon Bells, um, you know, Nick Chubb. Um, Nick Chubb is interesting. But, uh, you know, put a gun to my head, I'm not taking Chubb ahead over Gurley. I, I wouldn't I, think right so. Now. I mean, he probably goes from what? A lock it up, don't think twice about it, top three pick to – you're thinking about him at the turn and early in the second, right? right? Right now until we know more. And that's probably, I think that's where the ADP yeah. show him being. But here's what I think is more interesting, non-fantasy related. You saw the issue with Le'Veon Bell and his contract. And, you know, basically the belief now in the NFL of how unimportant the running back position is in terms of how much of your salary cap you're going to apply to it. You know, Todd Gurley signs that Big extension, what, four years, 60, I think 45 of it guaranteed. That joker ain't even kicked in yet. Yeah. And here we are with this. Right. What's this mean for the next guy? Zeke's the next one. What's this mean for these guys going forward? This could be the death nail for big guaranteed contracts for running backs. It's been a struggle to begin with, but guys like Gurley, guys like Le'Veon Bell, even though he didn't get what he thought he was going to get, he got himself a really nice deal. The struggle they had, Le'Veon Bell had to sit out for a year and a half to get right. this deal. What's this mean going forward? And if it, this isn't a red flag, you don't throw this guaranteed money to the running and back. And it's position. interesting, too, isn't it? Because you go back a few years, and I'm just trying to think a little bit, but you had Bettis, Curtis Martin, right, um, Priest Holmes, um, Edron James, you know, Marshall Falk. I mean, you had bell cow backs just right. about everywhere. And these guys, LaDalian Tomlinson, I mean, they lasted. Right. It seems like none of these guys are lasting at all any longer, for the exception of Peterson. Right. And Frank Gore. I mean, he'll be around. <laughs> He'll be around when James Conner retires. Frank but... Gore is going to read my eulogy one day. <laughs> it's unbelievable. That'd be pretty cool if Frank Gore. But, read you, my but you know what I'm saying? There, it, it, the longevity, and and I'm sure that that there's been a lot of backs that had careers cut short. Don't right, get me right. wrong, but it just seems like a lot of these guys, like all those guys that I mentioned, long careers. And productive careers. Right. And it just doesn't seem to be like Todd Gurley's been very productive, but he's only, he then been in the league that long. No, no. Um, the same with, of course, McCaffrey. He's coming into his own. Time will tell if he can stay healthy. Melvin Gordon, the same way. He's already dinged up. But I mean, a lot of these guys are, I'm not going to say fragile, but boy, I tell you what, they, you ever see so many MCLs and ACLs torn 
running around in shorts. Yeah, that's odd. And maybe I didn't think about it as much. Maybe I didn't pay that close of attention. Maybe it wasn't the, you know, the social media 24-hour news cycle. Yeah, I True. don't remember this. All these devastating in non-contact injuries the first day of OTAs, the first day of training camp. It, it, it's really strange. And I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, I just wonder – it may be why you don't see the Bells, the Martins. I guess, or I should not Bell, uh, Bettis, the, right. the Martins. Now, Martin did switch once, I guess, going from New England to the Jets or vice right, versa, yeah. whichever way that went. But I think what you are seeing is kind of back to my point with the contracts. Now, unless you are Todd Gurley, and I'm starting to wonder if Todd Gurley isn't going to be the end of it, you reach the end of that rookie deal where you're cheap. Right. The league is determined you're disposable for this reason. Because of these are. injuries, you're exactly. completely disposable. They may pop back up somewhere else. For whatever reason, I don't know what it is. Maybe say for Curtis Martin, we could probably name a couple others. But there isn't many where a star running back, you know, is great for four, five, six years in one place and goes somewhere else. And even a, it is even a shadow of what he was a lot of that it may be a function of age but it's something odd about that position right I, you just wonder what the long-term effects of this are for the running back position if this is worst case scenario for Todd Gurley yeah I agree you know talking about longevity and, and youth and so forth yeah we see a disgruntled Duke Johnson in Cleveland he wants out Baker took a swipe ba- at him today. Baker doesn't care. I mean, but I'll tell you what, here, here's a question I'm going to put to you. The guy's been in the league four years. He's 25 years old, 3,456 total yards, 4.3 yards a carry, 235 yard, or 235 receptions, 13 total TDs. Not a lot of mileage on this cat, but he's shown a lot of productivity, right? He's 25. You still got you got Chubb starting. You got Kareem Hunt coming back. My question is to you: Do the Browns trade a disgruntled running back who, at this point, could probably get some significant help in a weak area, or do you keep him for the running back depth because you don't know what you're going to have with Kareem Hunt coming right. back? Look, I like Duke Johnson as a fantasy guy, especially in. You know, redraft season-long leagues where we tend to live. He's really nice to have around. A good plug-and-play piece isn't going to give you the goose egg. Maybe he busts one and you have a real nice week during bye weeks. From a pure football perspective, really take all the numbers, everything. He's just another dude. He, he really is. There, are, the, the league is littered with guys like him. They really are. I don't trade him. You got under you got him under contract. He isn't costing you a dime. He isn't going to be Lev Bell. He's not going to miss a game check. Let him stomp. Let him pout. It's third and three, and you need one underneath, and Jarvis and Odell are covered. You're going to dump it to him. He's going to catch it, and then you're going to send him back to the bench. You know, what we've seen with him, I, I feel like, well, not this offseason is different, but the previous two or three offseasons, all we talked about was the specter of we kept hearing, right, we're going to take Duke Johnson. We're going to put two running backs on the field. We're going to put Duke Johnson out in the slot, and he's going to make difference. We're hearing this here in Pittsburgh, Rick, with Jalen Samuels. Oh, how cool would this be? You know, we're going to have James Conner or Benny Snell in the backfield, but we're going to take a guy like Jalen Samuels. We're going to get two backs on the on the field. We can get him out in the slot. We can do two back sets, all kind of exciting. We hear this from teams every offseason. It never happens. So until that becomes something teams are willing to do offensively, Duke Johnson's just another dude, and to paraphrase Baker, zip it, just zip it. Exactly, just do your job. You're I agree. I, I just wanted to put that to you. I don't because... blame him for wanting out. If he can work himself out and get himself in a more prominent role elsewhere, good on you. Go Let's for run it. down a few teams. I mean, a few. There's a few teams I'm sure that are in need um, of a running back that they could turn into somebody more productive. Tampa comes to mind. Right, um, you know Peyton Barber or what Ronald Jones, right? Yeah. Um, I think Duke Johnson would certainly help there. But beyond that, I'm trying to think. Um, Seattle's loaded with a bunch of. Eh. Here's the thing: uh, there. Do we have any indication that Duke Johnson 
could succeed no. in any role beyond the role he's had with Cleveland. No. I think that that's my point. I think that's who he is. He's he's just a dude who does that. So every team would love to have that. Every single team you could you could name thirty two of them that he'd be perfect in that role. I have no confidence, and I obviously the Browns don't either, that they were willing to take the PR hit that after drafting Chubb, you bring in Kareem Hunt with all that nonsense going on. They're saying, all right, this is a specialist, you know, one-time kind of deal. That's who you are. So I have no faith. If even the Browns aren't trying to elevate you, uh, that made more sense last year before this offseason. Right. But he still hasn't earned work in what was a pathetic offense until about midway through last season. Well, Mayfield got a toehold and command of that right, offense. Right. Chubb got in there. And now it's only going to be better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. I think he's in the perfect role. And if he wants to be in that role elsewhere, but he can work himself out. But I think wherever he ends up, that's the role. That's who he is. I, yeah. I agree 100%. And quite frankly, um, I'm a little bit mystified at this stomping around wanting traded because all of a sudden now you're on a contender right yeah and you're surrounded by talent and now you want out um it it, to me it's uh, another stat hound and that's all he's looking for so he wants to get paid he wants to get paid i get that i no don't get me wrong i and, and i think everybody wants to be the man because that's what makes pro athletes right pro athletes because they want to be the best they yeah. want to be the man they look at that bad team and say they stink only because right. they don't have me but you, unfortunately you know I mean? to, to quote the great rick flair to beat the man be the man you got to beat the man well he's not as good as nick chubb no, no. <laughs> so yeah. or kareem Hunt. or kareem yeah, Hunt, obviously when and if he, he gets to play again Let's take a little football break here rick we'll get back into it nba finals game three tonight I'm not a big NBA guy myself. I used to be, you know, don't like oh, yeah. the style of play now. You know, no, no it, it's what it is. So be it. Tied 1-1. Warriors have all kinds of injuries, you know, really looked vulnerable for the first time in a long time. I just wanted to ask you, Rick, taking all the personal thoughts on the NBA aside and the style of play, I guess we've seen it to a degree with the Patriots, but the NBA in the Golden State the last several years seems more prominent, where there's just one absolutely dominant team. Write it down. Forget about it. Who cares? Is it even worth watching anything? Good for a sport, Rick. Bad for a sport. Draw you in. Push you away. Mean nothing to you. Um, I guess sometimes from, you know, we're from the Pittsburgh area, so we really don't have anything vested in right. any team. So that's a little bit different. You know, you go to the football thing with the Patriots. Yeah, sometimes you get a little sick of it. But on the same token, you know, Pittsburgh's has teams that I felt was better. Yeah. But couldn't beat them. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, San Antonio was that way a few years ago in the NBA. Year after year after year. You know, they're right. I mean, they're always a threat. And Golden State is just them times 10. I mean, they're much more dominant. Right. And I don't necessarily get tired of them. Um, it's – they show a knack of managing their finances and, you know, obtaining talent. Right, yeah. I mean, New England is is another one in football. Um, You know, Golden State, I'm just trying to think. You know, baseball's a little different because of large markets. They just have the the bucks to do it. But, you know, you see different things like in baseball, the small markets, it's a little different. You know, Miami will buy a title here and there, and then they destroy the team and they suck for a few years. And and that's what happens. But, no, Golden State – I'm not tired of them. I, you know, I think it's. Look, nobody really got tired of Boston back in the '60s. Yeah. And granted, there was only, you know, I forget what it was, eight, ten teams. Right. In the NBA, maybe twelve. I don't. I don't even know what it was. But then again, I. You know, I think sometimes expansion is is all is good, but it's also. Not good because you know you say 
well, you know, Boston won because there was only whatever, 10 teams, 12 teams, whatever. Yeah, but you know what? That means Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain played that much more against each other. Right. Yeah, and, exactly. and so forth. You know what I mean? And you didn't have the Golden States thumping the Pelicans and these other teams that win 10 games. Yeah, I mean, that's unheard of. And the NFL was the same way. They, they, and I'm not trying to say that it's better or was better, but I truly believe the teams themselves, maybe not talent-wise, because let's face it, any sport, you go back 50 years in the 60s or whatever, these guys in the off-seasons were working on the docks. Or right, they were, right, yeah. You know, working a, a regular, honest job to make ends meet. But I think overall the teams, you, you look at the NFL back in the 60s, I think the teams themselves were better because there were fewer of them. Oh, so they're not watered down. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously that. maybe the talent wasn't there, you know what I'm saying, because of the, the, the money, and that's what these guys do. They're millionaires. That's what they do day in and day out day out they live this right but you know nba is a great example there are so many teams i mean below 500 makes playoffs in some well, some years yeah. i mean that's that's ridiculous and baseball's the same way i mean you have baltimore <laughs> um kansas city's really rebuilding they're another one that wins a title you know destroys it and then they're down for eight years right, right. so I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm getting off topic. No, I really don't get tired of them. If you can maintain in today's atmosphere uh, of big money, big personalities, the the social media, hats off to them. In September. You know what I mean? The NBA regular season is that predictable. Now, that said, so I'm watching Sunday night. I, I'm interested. And here we go. Toronto's looking good. You know, have a first-half lead. And then here comes, as Golden State always does, goes on an 18 or 20 to nothing run to start the third quarter and wins the game right there. It, it's just what they do. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh, God, here we go again. It's over. They're going to win this game. They're going to win this series 4-1. to one. I'm tired of this. I'm going to get on the show on Wednesday. I'm going to rant about this. I even made myself a little note about it. Then I got to thinking. I said, Rick, that's what I call myself. Rick said, as you think back, this is the model of the NBA. It's Golden State now. It was Miami sort of when LeBron was there. And San Antonio. Then we go back to the Bulls of the 90s. You go back to the Lakers and Celtics of the 80s, the Celtics of the 60s. This is what the NBA has always been. And I think what it is, the nature of basketball. Your guys basketball so disproportionately where one man can make such a difference on a team look at the cleveland cavaliers yeah pre and post lebron both times it's the way it's going to be you know what i mean there's yeah. no way around it so then i kind of got over it <laughs> exactly really weird. no i agree 100 percent. i mean you, you can look back you can go all the warrior teams um how many games would they have won without wilt chamberlain and how many championships would Boston have won without Bill Russell? Um, the the Lakers without Jamal. Um, you could just go on and on with those players, the Bulls and Michael Jordan. Right. It, it just goes on and on. You're absolutely right. That one player does it. And it's and it's more much more prominent in basketball oh. than any sport. Of course, there's only five yeah, on the court. One so, of five. Yeah, yeah exactly. It makes I mean, all the difference in the world. Right. I mean, you could have a good running back, but if your line stinks, he's not going too far. Right. Or if your defense stinks, it just doesn't matter. Right. You know, the, I guess a quarterback in the NFL can disproportionately make you better, but still can't win you championships. There's plenty of great quarterbacks who've never won championships. <laughs> 
there, there's great quarterbacks out there that didn't have many winning seasons, right. a la Archie Manning. Exactly. Uh, you know, and so when you have a crummy team, the more members, the worse it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Just some stupid the NBA is because some Golden State just dominates every. But it, it has to be that way. Yeah, that that's the way it seems to always be, I guess. But, you know, we talk about some of these great teams and everything, and I, I got to thinking – uh, the other day, and it kind of stuck out when when you and I were talking on a show. I think back maybe when the Open or the Masters, I forget when it was. But talking about uh, you know Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, and so forth, you know, and it really struck me like that, that it's a generational thing. Like obviously, if somebody says who's the greatest golfer, you know. I just, well, Jack Nicholas, Rick Flieger, Tiger Woods. I'll say Tiger. You know, somebody else might say freaking Ben Hogan. Right. I've never seen Ben Hogan. Right. You know, so, or, you know, go all the way back to Bobby Jones or somebody, anybody that's still alive, things of that nature. Um, is, um, what world is that? Oh, it's a phone. Oh, that's your phone? All right. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in baseball, another thing, because you can name a certain generation and when you're talking these, you know, these all-world um, goats, you know, if you're mentioning baseball, obviously you've got to mention Ruth and Gehrig. Right. You move up a generation, you know, with DiMaggio, Ted Williams, et cetera, all the way up through Mays, Aaron, you know, Barry Bonds, you know, to today. So, I mean, all this is kind of like a generational thing to me, right? Okay? Except hockey. I mean, it's Wayne Gretzky. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Wayne, that's Mario, the way, and then you stop that, talking. That's just the way it is. In that order, Wayne, but Mario, what did What over. did struck me is if I would say to you, because this is still fairly new, you know, say like, like this Mount Rushmore nonsense. All right. A fantasy football. See, that's not so much generational because, I mean, let's face it, you know, we can say, like, in our fantasy football Hall of Fame, we went back and took total stats. So, obviously, Jim Brown's in it and so forth. But nobody was playing fantasy football then. So, you're basically at the Barry Sanders era forward. Right. And unless you're very young, you remember all these people. True. Very true. So, I mean, I'm going to put it to you. Say running back. Who sticks out to you in fantasy football? Ladanian Tomlinson. Okay. That's the easy one. Well, to me, it was Marshall Falk. All right. You know, so. And those are the two, right? And, basically, and yeah. Tomlinson sort of unseated Falk, but they had the long right. sort of exactly. tenures up there where if you got the first overall pick, you didn't think about it. Right. Yeah, you know, when Marshall Falk was rolling, you didn't think about the first two. It was him and then Edron James looking up at him and then everybody else. Right. <laughs> it didn't matter after exactly. that. Exactly. Wide receivers. Calvin Johnson may be coming back. We haven't talked about that yet. As long as he, I, you believe that for a he second, ain't not coming back. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool though. Randy Moss, right? Obvious. Those are the first two that jump off the page. You know, early Terrell Owens. You know, recent Antonio Brown. But I think those are the two guys with longevity with. Uh, with, with the staying power that we're guaranteed. You, you know who jumps off at me when he was good, he was great back before all the advanced scoring in the PPR was Marvin Harrison. That oh, was a guy. That's one of the guys that jumped because I playing, right. you know, Marvin Harrison right. obviously was, yeah. I mean, when those Peyton Manning days. So I might put him there. Oh, Mar- yeah. Marvin Harrison was incredible. Reggie Wayne was incredible. Um, Torrey right. Holt. Yeah, in the Kurt Warner days, um, Randy Moss, obviously. Um, you know, I, I you go back to those those Minnesota days. You had Moss, Carter, and Jake Reed, <laughs> and they were all productive. I mean, oh, obviously absolutely. Jake Reed was on a different plateau, right. but I mean they were all productive players. Oh, on absolutely. It. And so I mean, yeah. But see, you can you can actually have legitimate arguments. Oh, right. No, about fantasy. Yeah. Where, you know, everything else is, is too generational. Yeah. yeah, fantasy isn't relative. It's Exactly. It's, rel- it's not real. <laughs> yeah, well, that too. But, 
it's relatively new, so you're only going back to you know mid to late 90s, really. I mean, some people have been doing the roto stuff going back into the 80s, but by and large what it is as we know now with the advanced scoring. You know, I remember right. my first fantasy league and was touchdown only, and I'd never yep. heard of a league that did it otherwise. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. just, just what you did, and you worked your way forward. And you waited for the stats and the paper. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Wait for the stupid commissioner to compile the stats yep. out of Monday night's paper and let you know if you won or not, because you sure as hell weren't going to go look. Right. <laughs> exactly. Or you did, it wasn't on the computer. You didn't know who was on the other guy's team. You didn't know who you were playing against. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I just thought that was kind of interesting, you know, um, there's just really no way to determine these greatest players of all time because yeah. you see people just arguing, arguing, oh, arguing. It's so frustrating. But, but and all fantasy, you have to do is look at their avatar, figure out their age. That's why they're making the argument. Well, sure. What I don't like is the dismissive part of it, right? Yeah. So a 22-year-old kid says, LeBron James is the greatest NBA player ever. And right. everybody my age, you're an idiot. Michael Jordan's the greatest. It's not even a debate. You were just well, I can't say that on the air, but you know, you were yeah. you were weren't even born yet. You were terrible. Or the I answer the question. Well, I think it's Michael Jordan, or I think it's Magic Johnson. Oh, you old fart! What do you yeah. know? LeBron James and the advanced analytics say, and this and that. It's a stupid argument. It's a completely different game, <laughs> completely different call. But everything's different about the NFL, especially. Everything is different than what the NBA. NFL sure. was in the 60s, 70s, even the 80s. Oh, Hell, I, the I, 90s to now. I love the, the I love game. the comments like, for example, well, yeah, pick a quarterback. Terry Bradshaw had X amount of interceptions <laughs> and only so many touchdowns. Right. Well, guess what? He handed the ball off 48 times. No, nah, not even that. You know, wide receivers got mugged oh, the whole way well, down yeah, the field, and Terry Bradshaw got laid out yeah. four steps after he <laughs> threw the ball. He'd be on the bench getting a drink, <laughs> and somebody would spear him in the back. I mean, it was a yeah. different game then. Exactly. And, you know, to, you know, and, and some of these um, dismissive people, Johnny Unitas' consecutive touchdown streak, consecutive game, wasn't broken until Drew Brees broke it. What? What was that? 16? 2016 or something like that when he broke the, yeah, the, yeah. the 49 games in a row or whatever it was. I can't even remember now. Um, but that's amazing. Uh-oh, now we have uh, more technical problems yeah, here. We're good. Go ahead. Okay. But um, anyway, I just thought that was an interesting little topic to, to ramble about. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to uh, move right along since you're being um, occupied by something there. Uh, getting back to football, Marquise Lee may not be ready for training camp. You know, he tore that ACL. Nick Foles in, in Jacksonville. Does that say Marquise Lee isn't fully recovered? Uh, does really D.D. Westbrook or um, Pryor do anything for you? The fact that Marquise Lee – being injured in June mm -hmm. is worth a conversation exactly. around your football team tells me all I need to know right. about the Jacksonville passing game. Right. I don't care. It, it doesn't matter. They're going to be bad. You know, Nick Foles. Look. Their only way this team is going to be good is if Fournette can play 16 games. Right. And that's not going to happen. No. So, it, it, they may have Yeldon to fall back on right. now. Yeah, he's in Buffalo fighting for carries with nine other guys. It, it, it's a whole thing's ridiculous. So, real quick, I want to play a fantasy game, Rick. Before, I love fantasy games. But before we do that, one last thing. I want a baseball topic. And you, you were kind of hitting on it, I think, a little bit earlier when we were talking about the NBA. Major League attendance down big again this year, averaging, averaging. So, this is with the whole league. So, this is factoring in. Fenway and Wrigley and Yankee Stadium that are full to the brim every week, no matter every day, no matter how the team is doing, no matter what the year is. Average attendance in Major League Baseball was right around twenty six thousand per game. You see teams like Tampa Bay, Miami, Pittsburgh is getting that way, where they're struggling to draw ten on an average night at Major League Baseball. Is it ever going to come back? Um, I guess, do you care, number one? I know you're not a baseball guy anymore. No, um, I used to be. 
Um, I got turned off, you know, for our listeners don't know, I really got turned off with the strike in 94 and then the Royd era. And I've yet to really come back because it is so boring. I mean, I, I throw tweets out of anybody follows on asylum football. It, it it's, kills me the way – and announcers destroy the game, too, because they try to sound like they're so analytical right. and like the managers are these sages in little caves with, <laughs> with a cauldron and they got little eye of newts and toad peckers floating them into <laughs> – into a bowl to come uh, up with some magic spell. Toad peckers? <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, Woo. you know, oh, he's a, he's at 72 pitches already. My God. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I just – this stuff just doesn't thrill me. I want to watch baseball. I don't want to see a science project. Right. And, I mean, the average game, baseball game, is as long, if not longer, than a football game. And and we've already said how long football games are. And, no, it's just not fun to watch. Yeah. Stats mean nothing. The stats we know mean nothing. Right. Do you know it's a thing? If you talk about batting average, home run, RBI. The three numbers we use to measure everything. Triple crown, baby. For how many generations now? Yeah. If you bring those up now amongst this new analytical generation, they will scoff at you. Those numbers are meaningless. Maybe home run. Meaningless. They don't even want to hear it. See, that's the problem. What, What they keep talking about and what Rob Manfred and what Major League Baseball is trying to fix and what so many people doing, what we're doing now, debate is, how to make the game shorter, the length of the game. No, the length of the game isn't the problem. If the game was action-packed, you don't care. If, if a football game, that uh, Kansas City-LA Rams Monday night game last year that they both played in the 60s, not my cup of tea, but in general, because the clock was always stopped because somebody was already always in the end zone, that right. game took freaking forever. Right. However, I didn't care because there was always something happening. Yeah. In Major League Baseball, these games are taking three and a half and four hours, and nothing's happening. I know. Because the analytics say, and it may be right in terms of win and losses, wins and losses. The only thing that matters is home runs. The only thing that matters is power. So we see twice as many strikeouts as we used to. We see twice as many home runs as we used to, which means other than a strikeout, other than a home run, I don't say strikeout, other than a home run, nothing else is happening. Nothing. Nothing. It's pitch. It's either strikeout, walk, or home run. Nothing is happening. Balls aren't put in play. Look, I I don't care about I'm starting to feel like we're shaking our canes when we say the pitch count. That that thing's here to stay. It's not going away. It's been like that for 20, 25 years now. I'm over that. It really hasn't been. It really has. You go back 25 years ago, Roger Clemens was – Winning twenty five games, right? Randy Johnson, you know, on and on. They, this this is pretty recent, Rick. Okay. I mean, it's, but it's not going away. No, it's not. But it but it's destroying the game in a slow, agonizing death. I mean, you know, you can say, well, what are we going to do to bring more young fans and everything? Look, I mean, in, in this day of instant gratification. It's not going to bring it back. Some kid doesn't want to go there and sit in the hot sun for four hours while these guys stand out there and go through the rigmarole, 15 trips back and forth to the mound to right. see if he's okay, to bring in four different relief pitchers in a nine-inning game. That's got to go. It, it's ridiculous. Right. And, look, I love the game. I love playing the game. I used to love watching the game. And, yeah, I mean – you can't tell me I'm, – I'm sorry, you cannot tell me that every pitcher is limited to 90 pitches. No. no. You know, or whatever the, then, the number is. You see that going away because the problem we see now is start when these kids are in Pony League up through high school, through if they play in college or through the minors, they're on pitch count. So you can't bring them to the majors and then all of a sudden let them go all Bob Gibson. You know what I mean? So I don't foresee that change. If you want to fix it, you're never going to get it all the way back. No, I don't. I agree. You want to fix it. Make something happen. Somebody put a damn ball in play. Well, 
let something happen. Yeah, but but what? I, I mean, I you know. only have hits. And, yeah, but, but they, they don't run the paces anymore. I, what I'm saying is the problem is when everybody, including the 114-pound shortstop, is just swinging for the launch angle and all this stuff, it's home run or strikeout, nothing ever happens until you get but that. Yet the, but yet the ERA leaders are like three well, or three and a yeah, half. They're giving up all those bombs. <laughs> but, but to, you know, there was – I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just trying to, to – to agree with you, but when well, you I should because I'm but, right. But no, but when you do look, I mean, you know, you can go back, and, I, and I'll go 50 years ago. You had Mays, you had Aaron, you had Ernie Banks, you had, you know, Willie Stargell. I mean, these guys were five, six, seven home run, hundred home run hitters. Right. Then too, but yet you had Sandy Koufax and Bob Gibson at ERAs of under two. Right. I mean, you didn't. There's no stellar performances, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, you can't say, my God, did you watch Rick Fligger pitch that, that perfect game last night or that shutout? Well, no, because you have a perfect game, though, and they pull you in the seven. I know. That's what I mean. Pitches. But, see, I guess that's what – there's no and, – and I don't even know what the right word is – mystique to it. Oh, no. You know what I mean? No. There's just nothing. It's all war and all this hypothetical humdrum. You know, for what? Fantasy? I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's geared to that. I don't know. Well, the numbers must show, you know, similar to in basketball. You know, one thing that drives me nuts, especially at the college level in basketball, the numbers show even if you're shooting 33%, it's better off to shoot nothing but threes than to shoot 60% from inside. You know what I mean? That's what baseball's saying. The numbers are saying, and, and that's my concern, why it's not going to get any better, right? Right. The numbers say that the guys like this geek that was just on Jeopardy who knows no, that wouldn't know a baseball if you pinged him in the side of the head with it, but his goal in life is to be in a basketball front office because he's a gambling guy, he's an analytics type of guy. The numbers say the launch angle, you know, you change your swing from a contact swing from a single swing to going the other way to trying to hit gaps to get that launch angle to try to get the ball out of the park and it's better off even if you strike out five times in a row getting that home runs a sixth time in a row better than batting 350 and hitting three singles in that amount of time so the number until we get away from the numbers and I don't think we're gonna because apparently your percentage in chance of winning goes up by doing these things, it's not going to change. But what they're going to do is they're going to drive fans away because nothing's happening. You sit there, it's 108 degrees, they're charging you $12 for a beer. If you're in Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Tampa, Miami, name any city that isn't L.A., Chicago, New York, or Boston, you have no chance of doing anything except for once every 20 years you dummy into a couple and then nothing happens. You go there and nothing happens. You pay hundreds of dollars. You yeah. sweat your butt off. Your team has no chance to win. Then you sit down and you think, all right, still, it's America's pastime. There is nothing better than sitting down, watching a ball game. But the and thing is, there hours, is now. For four hours, nothing yeah. happens. And the thing nothing is, there happens. is now. There is things better. Well, that's It true. didn't used to be. Yeah, And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the – you know, I'll be dead and gone before anything really ever well, materializes from it. But Thursday. something's going to have to change yeah. in baseball. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. No. Because what's mean, changing is, I think, what's driving the fans away, which, which is odd. And exactly. It's a tough situation. And, and it's tough. Like, kids nowadays, you don't hear them talking about, you know, name a, a – superstar hero in baseball or whatever that every oh, yeah. kid's talking about. Not in the United States, I'm sure, you know, some of the Dominicans, the well, Puerto maybe, Rican yeah, players. Yeah, that aside. But yeah, in the but, United States, it's soccer now, right? It's the NBA. It's not even so much well, that. Well, they're playing soccer. Okay, I yeah, guess they, I misspoke. They're playing soccer more than they're playing Little Yeah, League. they're talking LeBron. Right, yeah, it's And LeBron. they're talking Steph. Right. Maybe, you know, a Harden. Because right. they because they're the NBA's plastered on ESPN, right, right. But you know they're not talking Sidney Crosby's. No, they're no. not talking. You know because it's just everything, and, and I think it is because of it's twenty four seven all the time as well. Right. It, it's just like you know, oh gee, another game on or whatever. Could um, be. 
So I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you, Rick. I, I think actually with so many outlets and so much going on that I think it, it's not special anymore. Well, I, certainly that. And plus, it's too damn expensive. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there is that. All right, Rick, let's do a little fantasy football before we get out of here. All right, Rick, we're going to play a little pick your poison. Way too early season ADPs. Who do you want at their current ADP? We talked about him most of the beginning of the show, Rick. We got Tur- Todd Gurley now. <laughs> Turd Gurley. Turd yeah, Gurley. Uh, yeah, okay. Well, we got a name for this episode now, <laughs> don't we? Wow. I think you might know my answer based on that little Freudian I, slip. I hope Todd doesn't uh, listen to <laughs> yeah, that. Todd, no, no of offense, Of course he does. Todd. He's an asylumite. Why wouldn't he be? Todd Gurley, not his evil twin brother, Turd Godley, but Todd <laughs> Gurley. Currently today, Rick, computing everything together, putting together, sitting at 2.02 versus Joe Mixon, who's jumped up ahead of him at 112. That's the only reason I bring Mixon into the fold, because he's actually jumped ahead in. Are we panicking on Todd Gurley? You're sitting there at the end of the first, Todd Gurley's still there. Do you play it safe and go where you're taking Joe Mixon down there? Or are you going to pull take, Is that where you're going to take the risk on old Turd Godley? No, it, it, at 112 where Mixon is, I'm taking Gurley ahead of Mixon. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to panic my hair's not on fire and going running through the woods and saying the sky's falling because until we know more like we rambled on for the first 20 minutes right. of the show why would you pass up on a talent like that yeah yeah it's worth the risk to me right yeah, it exactly really it's risk reward all right rick i found this one very interesting all right Devonte adams at 1.07 which seemed crazy high for me a wide receiver named Adams at 1.07. Or Antonio Brown at 2.06. It's a full round difference. Um, Would I take Adams at 1.7? Yes. You would? Okay. Oh, yes, I would. I think he's going to be in for a monster year. However, I don't know exactly what the question is, but I actually think probably considering if if you took a first rounder of something else, A B is a potential better value down at two six. If that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. You know. Yeah, I just based on the value, which situation I like would you rather Devontae be? Adams would you have year. rather taken somebody else at one oh seven? And knowing – you see where I'm going with this, right? right? We played this game 100 times. You have yeah. dementia, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just kind of um, throwing something out there, maybe at 1-7, I don't know. I'm being hypothetical. Would I rather have Christian McCaffrey and A.B. or would I rather have Devontae Adams and say – Help me out with a lower running back, I guess. Um, yeah. Late second round running backs, boy, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking. You. Leonard Fournette, he might fall yeah, into or the a third. Fournette, um, yeah, you're getting into that. Realm. Lindsay, something right. of that nature. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would rather have, you know. The McCaffrey yeah. A B choice. Yeah, I don't know I, if you're getting McCaffrey. No, seven, I don't. But I, I just tried point. to. Yeah. David Johnson and David Johnson, Brown. James Connor, maybe right. something of that nature. Even Melvin Gordon coming off the knee. Here's my so, point. The, the only reason I even asked this question: Antonio Brown, sixth pick of the second round. That not seem terribly low for a guy who I think, if not for his personal antics, we'd be talking about in the top six top seven of players taken and now he's in the middle of the second round but he's not a pittsburgh any longer is, is that that significant well, where, to you look where amari cooper was went on right? raiders and then elevated back up on the cowboys yeah, that, that, I, that's what i'm asking is yeah. that that big is it going to crush even antonio brown being with Derek carr being in that offense all things said, if he's not getting the stats, he could be another Deshaun Jackson. There's part he's going to be too. pouting on the bench. He's going to be uh, causing fights, and he's going to be bad-mouthing the team and, right. and whatever. So, I mean, I don't even think Chucky can control this cat. He's so rich. He's so 
um, dynamic out there on the social media. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a little dubious on A.B., to be honest with you. Yeah, he's extremely talented. He's, he's a – He's he's a great athlete, but I tell you what, that six inches between his ears is is yeah, it's really suspect. It's a bit of an issue there. I just want you have to think we we've seen this with so many of these. You know, this sounds hacked, but these diva receivers, right? They force themselves out. They get to the new place, and it's real good for a while till it's not anymore. Right? Yeah. You know, granted, you just wonder. I think for one year. He can keep himself happy. He got what he wanted. He got out. He feels like he got over on Roethlisberger and the Steelers. You know, I'm just curious. You know, the Amari Cooper, it's actually something I hadn't considered is could he bring could Derek Carr and that offense drag Antonio Brown down to that frustrating Amari Cooper level? I just – Brown's starting to feel like a value to me. That sounds so dumb to say about a guy like Antonio Brown. He's starting to feel like a steal. A, a little bit, but I, and I don't he know. may well be. He could go there, and it could be perfect chemistry, like you said, at least for a year yeah, or two, till, till, till he gets tired of that, right? Or, you know, because he's not getting enough catches, or whatever the case may be, or they want to renegotiate a contract, and then he wants out. I don't, I have no idea, but yeah, I mean, I think he's going to be well worth probably wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Just feels like a value. I just wanted to hit it again. I love that last part. All right, Rick, tight end question for you. Travis Kelsey at 2-5, George Kittle at 3-7. Who is the next highest tight end? Over Ertz. That surprised me. Okay. I think Ertz and Kittle are both right there. Okay. So you could use Ertz, too, if you wanted. Is Kelsey I would take a full them, round better? Oh, yeah. I would certainly take either one of them a full round beyond Kelsey. Because I, I think, I think you have one, two, and three right there. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, all right, you're sitting. You got the fifth pick of the second round. So mm-hmm. we just talked about Antonio Brown. There, there's right. a lot of wide receiver talent there. Do you take Kelsey there, or do you grab whatever you know, Antonio Brown right. that name and wait another full round and get your Kel? Get well, that's your what Kittle I just said. Get your. That's what I just said. Yes, I would certainly take Ertz or Kittle okay. in, the, in the third round over going with Kelsey in the second round. And whatever receiver you get. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's and, exactly and, what I was saying. And, and I'm I'm leaning that way, too. And, and you, you used to see it with Gronk, right, going in the first round, and there'd be a round or two drop to Kelsey. And then about in the fifth round, here came the run, right? right. I was always trying to avoid runs. That's a run I was happy to be a part of, right? right? I didn't want to spend that early pick. I load up at other positions, and, yeah, there's going to be, in this case, one team in the league. Back when Gronk was there, there was two teams in the league that had that distinct advantage at that position. But just playing the numbers, the other ten teams were in my boat, right? And I feel like that with this. Yeah. You know? All right, yeah, you drafted Kelsey, but me and the other 11 guys are now vying for for Kittle for that second-tier type of guy. And I'm fine with that, with what talent I'm going to load up in that round before. Yeah, I agree. All right, Rick. Quarterback question, looking at it the same way. Pat Mahomes looking at 3-7 now versus Deshaun Watson at 5-12. I skipped over. Aaron Rodgers has a fourth-round ADP, but I got concerns with Aaron Rodgers that we'll talk about on other shows. So Pat Mahomes, 3-7, all the way to Deshaun Watson, pretty much in the sixth round. I mean – on the surface, Rick, it should be a no-brainer. It should be Deshaun Watson. But being it's Deshaun Watson, it's concerning to me because of his mobility and propensity of getting that one shot right. that he's going to be gone. Um, that being said, I still think that I would go Watson simply because I don't think Mahomes is going to be put up the circus numbers that he put last year. I think he's going to be damn good, don't get me wrong. But I can load up on some other talent, and there's going to be plenty of quarterbacks out there. Yeah. Let's even say, and I think most people tend to agree, I agree, that the historical numbers tell you that Mahomes is going to regress. Now, he could regress and still throw for – 
you know, right. still be the QB1 and have a significant regression. Here's where I'm not going to overreact and pull the trigger on a guy like Mahomes that high in the third round, you know, when I can get a guy like Watson and then everybody that falls behind him. You know, right after him, Matt Ryan, you know, you're looking oh, at, yeah. you know, 6'3", Baker Mayfield right there. Yeah. Don't forget Russell Wilson. Drew Brees has got a mid-seventh round. Then we jump down to the 10th for a Cam Newton, for a Carson Wentz. I haven't said Tom Brady yet, who's going in the 14th. See, to, see, to me, those are just no-brainers. Of right. course I would wait that long. You know how I draft. Yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to answer the question yeah. with what you're giving me. Um, Here's yeah. the reason Pat Mahomes – don't forget this. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody listening, if there's any noobs out there. Don't forget this. Pat Mahomes was on the Super Bowl-winning team and – some absurd percentage of fantasy leagues last year. Two reasons. Number one, obviously, is numbers, right? That, right. That's easy enough. But here's they, number two. They got him in towards the end of the draft. He wasn't drafted on the as waiver a QB1. Right. He was drafted late. He was picked up on the waiver wire by already otherwise good teams. Your team is not going to be as good if you spend your third-round pick on your quarterback. You're going to be lacking in some area you had strength in last season when you picked this guy up out for nothing either at the end of your draft. And that's where – so these guys always pop up. I'm not sure that there's going to be one this year. You know, Kyler Murray Mur, – God, why can't I say anybody's name today? Kyler Murray, not Kyler Murley. <laughs> Kyler Murray isn't going to put up those – there's no quarterback that went Haskins, nobody. So there isn't going to be a Pat Mahomes – although I guess Mahomes wasn't technically a rookie last year. But that steal isn't necessarily going to be out there. Do right. not overpay. Do not overdo it for a guy like Mahomes. That's the reason I bring it up. Exactly. All right, let's do one more, Rick. All I mean, right. I've had about enough. We brought up his name already. Now, we're going to pick your poison – I got one name, and I'm going to put him up against three. So that's okay. not very fair, but I'm going to let, we're going to do it anyhow. Leonard Fournette, we talked about him. Okay. Right now, going third pick of the third round. Match him up against Sony Michelle at 4-5, Mark Ingram at 4-7, and Carrion Johnson at 4-11. Almost a full round ahead of all those other guys. So I'll, I'll let you do this. All those other guys. Or Leonard Fournette. All those other guys. I don't even think it's close. I can't no. stun Leonard Fournette's that high. Because everybody sees a Leonard Fournette that they want to see. They see a, a, a bruising back that is going to wear down defenses over a long season. Where in, in reality, they're going to get probably, what, 10 games out of them Maybe. if they're lucky. Maybe. Yeah. Saying, don't forget, not only does he get nicked up with mystery injuries, it feels like, then there's two or three times a year where the coaches just sit him down for with never any explanation. <laughs> He's just such an awful teammate or professional. It's just you never know till until that ball's in the air, you can't be confident that Leonard Fournette's going to show up. I am stunned he's still going in the third round. I am too. I, I, I really am I mean, because um... – I mean, last year was a good example. Uh, he played the first game of the year, missed two, played the fourth game of the year, missed five, played three in a row, missed another one, and then finished the last three. Never had over 100 yards in a game. Never had over 95 yards in a game. And gr granted, it you know, Jacksonville wasn't all that good. And he was productive. Don't get me wrong. He had total yards when he played. He had, you know... I don't know, what, six touchdowns, seven touchdowns, something of that nature. But, boy, that is not nah. not a bad – I mean, those are much lower running backs as far as I'm concerned. No question about it. All right, Rick. That's all for the game. Well, you got anything what, else this, or can we go home? What, real quick, this this is uh, June 5th. Tomorrow is June 6th. It's the 75th anniversary of uh, D-Day, oh, okay. you know, which was uh, the beginning of the end of World War II. And I, I kind of uh, – History buff, you know, oh, and I, I know this, and I do like civil. You war. lived through most of it. Civil War, I like World War II, all that kind of stuff. Came across an interesting story, very short, but it's uh, just it's funny how things work out. Now I'm just going to read this to you. For the first part of the 20th century, Korea was occupied by Japan. Koreans were treated as second-class citizens, and thousands of them were forced to serve as cannon fodder in Japan's growing collection of wars. And this, this guy's name was Kyung Jong. 
and he was pressed into service and sent to fight in the Soviet-Japanese War of 39. Okay? Well, Kyung John survived, but he found himself captured and sent to one of the Soviet Union's brutal labor camps. He may well have toiled there until his death, but for Nazi Germany's invasion in 1941. With the Soviet Union suffering horrific losses and running short of manpower, Kyung Jong was forced to join the Red Army and sent to fight and die on the Eastern Front. History repeated itself as Kyung Jong was once again captured and recruited, this time eventually finding himself almost 6,000 miles from home in France fighting for the German Army. <laughs> Unwilling to fight to the death for Hitler's dream of a racially pure Europe, he surrendered to the Allies at the earliest opportunity. <laughs> Initially believing to be a initially believing to be a Japanese soldier who had somehow found himself under German command, the Allies they found out that Kyung Jong's unique story didn't emerge until some time later. But he ended up over here. It's like some Forrest Gump stuff. That's unbelievable. But that's a good out, right? You get get captured, you get forced. I'm sure the time in the labor camp was no was No no picnic, yeah. But but then next time that somebody else forces you to fight, I surrender until you end up with a good one, the allies, who aren't <laughs> going to torture you. So that guy's a freaking genius, really. Uh, he kind of got into And he was quite lucky, I must yeah, say. Well, certainly. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you set up to be cannon fodder right. and never actually took a cannon? Exactly. So, so good for him. All right. Well, we're way over time here, Rick. So let's get out of here. Thanks so much for joining us. Check us out at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com if you want to be part of the show. Stick with us. I think we got some big things brewing, Rick. Some some exciting stuff coming up you're going to want to be a part of. Yes, indeed. I can't wait to announce it once we get everything finalized and get going. Uh, it's going to be some exciting times in the asylum for the first time in a while. It's been a while. We've had a hard time getting back on our feet, but I got a feeling things are heading in the right direction. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Until then, we'll see you. Take care.